3 Nephi chapter 17. Jesus has been with this congregation of saints for a long time, and he realized that he must be leaving. However, he knows that they are still disturbed by numerous questions, and so he tells them what to do until he returns the following day. Behold, now it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he looked round about again on the multitude, and he said unto them, Behold, my time is at hand. I perceive that ye are weak, that ye cannot understand all my words which I am commanded of the Father to speak unto you at this time. Therefore, go ye unto your homes and ponder upon the things which I have said, and ask the Father in my name that ye may understand and prepare your minds for the morrow, and I come unto you again. The element of urgency is pressing upon Jesus because he is scheduled to report back to the Father and then minister to the lost tribes. Of course, the Nephites have no idea where the lost tribes were located, and so Jesus assures them that the Father knows where he has taken them. We have some interesting comments concerning the lost tribes in the Apocrypha by Esdras. The pertinent text from Esdras is quoted in Mormon Doctrine by Bruce McConkie under the topic of the Lost Tribes. Esdras indicates that when the ten tribes went northward, a portion of them, which we presume to be the more righteous, went even further north and disappeared. The remainder were left behind. Brigham Young indicates the more righteous group were taken to a separate planet. This reference can be found in Cowley's biography of Brigham Young, page 448. Soon after the gospel was restored, Joseph Smith learned that John the Baptist was with the lost tribes preparing them for their return. This is what the 12th article of faith is referring to when it says, We believe in the restoration of the ten tribes. Moses says that when this happens, the lost tribes of Israel will be gathered from the utmost parts of heaven. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 30 and 4. With the same thought in mind, Jesus says they will be gathered from one end of heaven to the other. He says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. But that will not happen until after the building of the temple in the New Jerusalem. In fact, Ezra says that when the lost tribes return, they will be astonished to find that the house of Joseph, which they left behind, will be in charge of the Lord's work throughout the world. Commenting on the first appearance of the lost tribes in the Northland, a modern scripture says, quote, and they who are in the north country shall come in remembrance before the Lord, and they shall smite the rocks, and ice shall flow down at their presence, and an highway shall be cast up in the midst of the great deep. This is from Doctrine and Covenants, section 133, verses 26 and 27. This highway will lead directly to the temple in the New Jerusalem, where the scripture says, quote, and there shall they fall down and be crowned with glory, even in Zion, by the hands of the servants of the Lord, even the children of Ephraim. Unquote. This is from the Doctrine and Covenants, section 133, verses 26 to 32. 
Jeremiah says that the raising up of this mighty highway with hundreds of thousands of Israelites pouring over it will make the crossing of the Red Sea almost insignificant by comparison. This can be found in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 14 to 15. The advantages of having these references in this commentary is so that you can always go back to each citation when it is convenient and read them for yourself. But now I go unto the Father, and also to show myself unto the lost tribes of Israel. For they are not lost unto the Father, for he knoweth whither he hath taken them. Now even though Jesus knew he was running behind on his schedule, he sensed that the people were still extremely anxious about something. And it came to pass that when Jesus had thus spoken, he cast his eyes round about again on the multitude, and beheld they were in tears, and did look steadfastly upon him, as if they would ask him to tarry a little longer with them. And he said unto them, Behold, my bowels are filled with compassion towards you. Have ye any that are sick among you? Bring them hither. Have ye any that are lame, or blind, or halt, or maimed, or leprous, or that are withered, or that are deaf, or that are afflicted in any manner? Bring them hither, and I will heal them. For I have compassion upon you. My bowels are filled with mercy. For I perceive that ye desire that I should show unto you what I have done unto your brethren at Jerusalem. For I see that your faith is sufficient that I should heal you. Now to our amazement we discover that these people had brought their sick and afflicted with them. This is one more proof that the conference was carefully planned by Nephi III and that he had anticipated the possibility that Jesus would administer to the sick and the afflicted. And it came to pass that when he had thus spoken, all the multitude with one accord did go forth with their sick and their afflicted and their lame, and with their blind and with their dumb, and with all them that were afflicted in any manner, and he did heal them every one as they were brought forth unto him. And they did all, both they who had been healed, and they who were whole, bow down at his feet and did worship him. And as many as could come for the multitude did kiss his feet, insomuch that they did bathe his feet with their tears. While Jesus was healing some of the children, he yearned to give a special blessing to all of the children, and so it says, And it came to pass that he commanded that their little children should be brought. So they brought their little children and set them down upon the ground round about him. And Jesus stood in the midst, and the multitude gave way till they had all been brought unto him. And it came to pass that when they had all been brought, and Jesus stood in the midst, he commanded the multitude that they should kneel down upon the ground. And it came to pass that when they had knelt upon the ground, Jesus groaned within himself and said, Father, I am troubled because of the wickedness of the people of the house of Israel.
Jesus knew that tens of thousands of the Nephites and Lamanites had been killed at the time of the crucifixion because of their wickedness. Jesus, therefore, yearns to have God's Spirit pour out upon this people so that the coming generations can escape further destruction, especially the little children. The depth of the Savior's pleading was so profound it could not even be recorded. And when he had said these words, he himself also knelt upon the earth. And behold, he prayed unto the Father. And the things which he prayed cannot be written. And the multitude did bear record who heard him. And after this manner do they bear record. The eye hath never seen, neither hath the ear heard before, so great and marvelous things as we saw and heard Jesus speak unto the Father. And no tongue can speak, neither can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive so great and marvelous things as we both saw and heard Jesus speak. And no one can conceive of the joy which filled our souls at the time we heard him pray for us unto the Father. And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of praying unto the Father, he arose. But so great was the joy of the multitude that they were overcome. It is difficult, if not impossible, to comprehend the depth of the Savior's feelings at this time. Twice in the next few verses he was so overcome by his feelings that he wept. And it came to pass that Jesus spake unto them, and bade them arise. And they arose from the earth, and he said unto them, Blessed are ye because of your faith. Now behold, my joy is full. And when he had said these words, he wept. And the multitude bare record of it. And he took their little children one by one and blessed them, and prayed unto the Father for them. And when he had done this, he wept again. And he spake unto the multitude, and said unto them, Behold your little ones. A moment later the parents of these children beheld a marvelous heavenly spectacle. And as they looked to behold, they cast their eyes towards heaven, and they saw the heavens open, and they saw angels descending out of heaven, as it were in the midst of fire. And they came down and encircled those little ones about, and they were encircled about with fire. And the angels did minister unto them, and the multitude did see and hear and bear record. And they know that their record is true, for they all of them did see and hear, every man for himself. And they were in number about two thousand and five hundred souls. And they did consist of men, women, and children. Third Nephi, chapter 18. By this time Jesus must have become reconciled to the fact that the appointment with the lost ten tribes must wait for another time, since he still had a lot of unfinished business with the Nephites. The first thing was to teach them the sacrament service.
And it came to pass that Jesus commanded his disciples that they should bring forth some bread and wine unto him. The Savior did not miraculously provide the bread and wine for the sacramental service as he had done in Jerusalem on certain occasions. Instead, he asked the disciples to procure the bread and wine from the nearby city. Since this was the first contact these Nephites had had with some of their friends in the city, there must have been a gigantic temptation to alert their friends that something spectacular was happening at the temple. We do not know whether any exchange took place, but certainly there would have been a temptation to whisper, quote, There is something marvelous happening at the temple. You must not miss tomorrow. Unquote. And while they were gone for bread and wine, he commanded the multitude that they should sit themselves down upon the earth. And when the disciples had come with bread and wine, he took of the bread and brake and blessed it. And he gave unto the disciples, and commanded that they should eat. And when they had eaten and were filled, he commanded that they should give unto the multitude. In verse 4 it says the disciples partook of the bread until they were filled. Even among the early Christians in Jerusalem it seems to have been customary to furnish rather large portions of the bread to each disciple, rather than merely provide small portions as we do today. This led Paul to protest those who made a meal out of the sacrament. He said, quote, If any hunger let him eat at home, unquote. That's in 1 Corinthians 11 and 34. And when the multitude had eaten and were filled, he said unto the disciples, Behold, there shall one be ordained among you, and to him will I give power that he shall break bread and bless it and give it unto the people of my church unto all those who shall believe and be baptized in my name. And this shall ye always observe to do, even as I have done, even as I have broken bread and blessed it and given it unto you. And this shall ye do in remembrance of my body, which I have shown unto you. And it shall be a testimony unto the Father that ye do always remember me. And if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. It must be remembered that the sacrament was a new ordinance for the Nephites. Jesus was therefore very methodical in describing each step in the procedure. He explained that the torn pieces of bread represented the excruciating suffering of his body. And it came to pass that when he said these words, he commanded his disciples that they should take of the wine of the cup and drink of it, and that they should also give unto the multitude that they might drink of it. And it came to pass that they did so, and did drink of it, and were filled. And they gave unto the multitude, and they did drink, and they were filled. And when the disciples had done this, Jesus said unto them, Blessed are ye for this thing which ye have done, for this is fulfilling my commandments. And this doth witness unto the Father, that ye are willing to do that which I have commanded you. Jesus next explained that the wine represented the spilling of his blood and the suffering associated with it. And this shall ye always do to those who repent and are baptized in my name. And ye shall do it in remembrance of my blood, which I have shed for you, that ye may witness unto the Father that ye do always remember me. 
and if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. It will be observed that the sacramental ritual was very simple. Jesus admonished his disciples to follow the procedure exactly as he demonstrated it. He did not want any fancy embellishments or complicated ritual introduced, or it would be unacceptable to him. And I give unto you a commandment that ye shall do these things. And if ye shall always do these things, blessed are ye, for ye are built upon my rock. But whoso among you shall do more or less than these are not built upon my rock, but are built upon a sandy foundation. And when the rain descends, and the floods come, and the winds blow and beat upon them, they shall fall and the gates of hell are ready, open to receive them. Therefore blessed are ye, if ye shall keep my commandments, which the Father hath commanded me that I should give unto you. The sacrament is to renew one's covenants and make a new commitment to resist temptation or do that which is evil. The renewal of the covenant should be during the prayer which is pronounced over the sacrament. Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must watch and pray always, lest ye be tempted by the devil, and ye be led away captive by him. And as I have prayed among you, even so shall ye pray in my church among my people who do repent and are baptized in my name. Behold, I am the light, I have set an example for you. After Jesus had set the pattern for the twelve disciples, he turned to the multitude and gave them the same admonition. And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words unto his disciples, he turned again unto the multitude and said unto them, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must watch and pray always, lest ye enter into temptation. For Satan desireth to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Therefore ye must always pray unto the Father in my name, and whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, which is right, believing that ye shall receive. Behold, it shall be given unto you. Jesus then said something about the importance of family prayer. Pray in your families unto the Father, always in my name, that your wives and your children may be blessed. Jesus also wanted these new members of the church to realize that an important part of worshiping God is to attend the regular service and participate with the congregation in prayer. And behold, ye shall meet together oft, and ye shall not forbid any man from coming unto you when ye shall meet together. But suffer them that they may come unto you, and forbid them not. But ye shall pray for them, and shall not cast them out. And if it so be that they come unto you oft, ye shall pray for them unto the Father in my name. Jesus also wanted to make attendance at these meetings inclusive, not exclusive, he said. Therefore hold up your light that it may shine unto the world. Behold, 
I am the light which ye shall hold up, that which ye have seen me do. Behold, ye see that I have prayed unto the Father, and ye all have witnessed. And ye see that I have commanded that none of you should go away, but rather have commanded that ye should come unto me, that ye might feel and see. Even so shall ye do unto the world. And whosoever breaketh this commandment suffereth himself to be led into temptation. Jesus now says he must hurry back to his Father, but he wanted to add one final admonition concerning the importance of partaking of the sacrament worthily. And now it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he turned his eyes again upon the disciples whom he had chosen, and said unto them, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, I give unto you another commandment, and then I must go unto my Father, that I may fulfill other commandments which he hath given me. And now behold, this is the commandment which I give unto you, that ye shall not suffer any one knowingly to partake of my flesh and blood unworthily, when ye shall minister it. For whoso eateth and drinketh my flesh and blood unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to his soul. Therefore if ye know that a man is unworthy to eat and drink of my flesh and blood, ye shall forbid him. However, those who were unworthy to partake of the sacrament were not to be cast out, but loved and administered to until they were worthy to partake of it again. However, if they were rebellious and refused to appreciate these gestures of brotherhood and sisterhood, they should no longer be numbered among the members of the church. Nevertheless, ye shall not cast him out from among you, but ye shall minister unto him, and shall pray for him unto the Father in my name. And if it so be that he repenteth, and is baptized in my name, then shall ye receive him, and shall minister unto him of my flesh and blood. But if he repent not, he shall not be numbered among my people, that he may not destroy my people. For behold, I know my sheep and they are numbered. Nevertheless, ye shall not cast him out of your synagogues or your places of worship, for unto such shall ye continue to minister. For ye know not but what they will return and repent, and come unto me with full purpose of heart, and I shall heal them. And ye shall be the means of bringing salvation unto them. Therefore keep these sayings which I have commanded you, that ye come not under condemnation, for woe unto him whom the Father condemneth. Then Jesus warned them concerning the curse that can afflict any congregation of the church if they indulge in bickering and disputes. And I give you these commandments because of the disputations which have been among you, and blessed are ye, if ye have no disputations among you. And now I go unto the Father, because it is expedient that I should go unto the Father for your sakes. Finally Jesus touched each of the twelve disciples and conferred upon them the power to confer the Holy Ghost. 
The congregation could not hear what Jesus said at that time, but later they were told what he said. And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of these sayings, he touched with his hand the disciples whom he had chosen one by one, even until he had touched them all, and spake unto them as he touched them. And the multitude heard not the words which he spake. Therefore they did not bear record, but the disciples bear record that he gave them power to give the Holy Ghost. And I will show unto you hereafter that this record is true. Finally Jesus became enveloped in a cloud, so the people could not see Jesus as he ascended into heaven. And it came to pass that when Jesus had touched them all, there came a cloud and overshadowed the multitude that they could not see Jesus. And while they were overshadowed, he departed from them and ascended into heaven. And the disciples saw and did bear record that he ascended again into heaven. And now Third Nephi chapter 19. As Jesus ascended into heaven, it must have been like a signal of adjournment because these people hurried to the nearby city. They had sensational news to relate to their friends and neighbors or even strangers. They therefore rushed into the community surrounding or adjacent to the temple and spread the word. And now it came to pass that when Jesus had ascended into heaven, the multitude did disperse, and every man did take his wife and his children, and did return to his own home. And it was noised abroad among the people immediately, before it was yet dark, that the multitude had seen Jesus, and that he had ministered unto them, and that he would also show himself on the morrow unto the multitude. Yea, and even all the night it was noised abroad concerning Jesus, and insomuch did they send forth unto the people that there were many, yea, an exceeding great number, did labor exceedingly all that night, that they might be on the morrow in the place where Jesus should show himself unto the multitude. The following morning a vast throng collected at the temple. They must have been radiant with anticipation. Of course, in the beginning Jesus had not yet appeared, but the disciples were there. And now we hear the names of all twelve. And it came to pass that on the morrow when the multitude was gathered together, behold, Nephi and his brother whom he had raised from the dead, whose name was Timothy, and also his son, whose name was Jonas, and also Methoni, and Mathonihah his brother, and Cumen, and Cumenonhai, and Jeremiah, and Shemnon, and Jonas, and Zedekiah, and Isaiah. Now these were the names of the disciples whom Jesus had chosen. And it came to pass that they went forth and stood in the midst of the multitude. And behold, the multitude was so great that they did cause that they should be separated into twelve bodies. And the twelve did teach the multitude. And behold, they did cause that the multitude should kneel down upon the face of the earth and should pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus. And the disciples did pray unto the Father also in the name of Jesus. And it came to pass that they arose and ministered unto the people. And when they had ministered those same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken, 
Behold, they knelt again and prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Notice that the twelve disciples were able to repeat the words of the Savior with perfect exactness. This can only be done when the Spirit conveys the words to the mind of each disciple. This same thing occurred when the apostles in Jerusalem wanted to quote sermons or statements Jesus had made. The Spirit dictated to them the words which had been spoken. This is what Jesus promised to his apostles when he said, quote, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, unquote. The references to this promise are in John 14 and 26, John 12 and 16, and Luke 18, verses 31 to 34. By this time the word had spread among the people that the twelve disciples had been given the authority to confer the Holy Ghost. But of course they could only do this with the consent and approbation of the Savior. Furthermore, Nephi knew this could not happen until the disciples had been baptized. It is interesting that the disciples prayed for the Holy Ghost as a prelude to their baptism. We should mention that all of these twelve disciples, as well as the multitude, had been baptized by Nephi long before, but that was just for the remission of sins. Apparently, Nephi knew that all of them needed to be baptized to become members of the Church of Jesus Christ, which the Savior was now establishing among them. And they did pray for that which they most desired, and they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. And when they had thus prayed, they went down unto the water's edge, and the multitude followed them. It is interesting that when the twelve disciples went down to the water's edge, the whole multitude followed behind. They weren't going to miss out on anything. And it came to pass that Nephi went down into the water and was baptized. We are told that Nephi was the first to be baptized, but we are not told who performed the ordinance. And he came up out of the water and began to baptize. And he baptized all those whom Jesus had chosen. Nephi then baptized all of the other eleven disciples. At a later time, the disciples could then baptize the multitude. And it came to pass, when they were all baptized and had come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. As soon as the twelve disciples had been baptized and had come up out of the water, the fire of the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire, and it came down from heaven, and the multitude did witness it and did bear record, and angels did come down out of heaven and did minister unto them. The multitude must have been amazed when angels came down to minister to the twelve disciples. These developments were similar in many respects to the glorious consequences of the conferring of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And it came to pass that while the angels were ministering unto the disciples, behold, Jesus came and stood in the midst and ministered unto them. Furthermore, at the height of these marvelous spiritual manifestations at the Bountiful Temple in America, Jesus appeared in the midst of the Nephite multitude. He commanded them to kneel and begin praying.
And it came to pass that he spake unto the multitude, and commanded them that they should kneel down again upon the earth, and also that his disciples should kneel down upon the earth. And it came to pass that when they had all knelt down upon the earth, he commanded his disciples that they should pray. And behold, they began to pray, and they did pray unto Jesus, calling him their Lord and their God. It is interesting that the people are described in verse 6 as praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. But now they are so radiantly animated by the Savior's resurrected presence that they begin expressing prayers of adoration directly to Jesus. And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them and went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. Father, I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Father, thou hast given them the Holy Ghost because they believe in me. And thou seest that they believe in me, because thou hearest them, and they pray unto me. And they pray unto me, because I am with them. Jesus knew that the people should be praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, as they had previously done. And so he offers an explanation of why the people happened to be praying directly to him. Jesus then turned around and prayed to the Father on behalf of his disciples and those who would believe on their words. This petition was similar to his prayer on behalf of the Jewish apostles according to the Gospel of John chapter 17. Similar thoughts from the Jerusalem prayer are also expressed throughout verses 28 and 29 of this chapter. And now, Father... I pray unto thee for them, and also for all those who shall believe on their words, that they may believe in me, that I may be in them, as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one. And it came to pass that when Jesus had thus prayed unto the Father, he came unto his disciples, and behold, they did still continue without ceasing to pray unto him, and they did not multiply many words, for it was given unto them what they should pray, and they were filled with desire. Jesus knew the Father was not offended because the Nephites expressed their prayers of adoration to the Son. In fact, the words of their prayers were dictated to them by the Father or the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass that Jesus blessed them as they did pray unto him, and his countenance did smile upon them, and the light of his countenance did shine upon them. And behold, they were as white as the countenance and also the garments of Jesus, and behold, the whiteness thereof did exceed all the whiteness. Yea, even there could be nothing upon earth so white as the whiteness thereof. It is interesting that Jesus blessed his disciples and smiled upon them. 
In fact, they were translated and appeared brilliantly white, just like the Savior. This must have made a tremendous impression on the multitude to see these 12 new leaders imbued with the same radiant glory as Jesus himself. Verse 33 indicates that the multitude were witnesses to all of these events so they could bear record of them later. They were even allowed to understand the words of the prayers which could be understood but not articulated. And Jesus said unto them, Pray on. Nevertheless, they did not cease to pray. Jesus left the disciples a second time to pray to the Father on their behalf. And he turned from them again, and went a little way off, and bowed himself to the earth. And he prayed again unto the Father, saying, Father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith. And I pray for them, and also for them who shall believe on their words, that they may be purified in me through faith on their words, even as they are purified in me. As we mentioned earlier, this second prayer was similar to the one in Jerusalem. He not only prayed for his disciples, but for those who would believe on their words, and who, through faith in obeying the gospel pattern of life, become like the Savior. Father, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world because of their faith, that they may be purified in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one, that I may be glorified in them. Jesus also prayed especially for those whom the Father had anointed in the preexistence to be his disciples during the second estate here on earth. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he came again unto his disciples. And behold, they did pray steadfastly without ceasing unto him. And he did smile upon them again. And behold, they were white, even as Jesus. Jesus returned to his disciples and rejoiced in their continuing devotion. And it came to pass that he went again a little way off and prayed unto the Father. Finally, for the third time, Jesus departed a little way off from his disciples, and his prayers in their behalf was so sublime they could not write it at a later time. They understood everything he said, but only in their hearts. And tongue cannot speak the words which he prayed, Neither can be written by man the words which he prayed. And the multitude did hear and do bear record. And their hearts were open, and they did understand in their hearts the words which he prayed. Nevertheless, so great and marvelous were the words which he prayed, that they cannot be written, neither can they be uttered by man. And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of praying, he came again to the disciples and said unto them, So great faith have I never seen among all the Jews. Wherefore I could not show unto them so great miracles because of their unbelief. Verily I say unto you, There are none of them that have seen so great things as ye have seen. 
neither have they heard so great things as ye have heard. After the Savior's phenomenal prayer, Jesus complimented the Nephites. He said they had manifested such a radiant faith that he was able to do things for them which exceeded the spiritual dimensions he was allowed by the Father to manifest to the Jewish disciples. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.